This evening, I'm going to ask you to do something. For some of you, it might be a long time ago that you've done this. For some of you, it wasn't that long ago, but I'm going to ask you to pretend for just a moment. I want you to imagine being back in the days of Jesus and sitting around the table with him just as his disciples would have done at the Passover. And I want you to put yourself in their place whenever Jesus, whenever you're finished eating, you're probably like I am, I'm really full from the dinner that we had, and you're comfortable, and maybe you're talking about the next day, maybe you're talking about what was going on earlier that day, perhaps you're talking about how Jesus had fed the 5,000 or whatever uh, you might be talking about, and Jesus walks over and he gets this basin full of water, and he gets a towel and he puts it up around around his waist, and he gets close to Ian here, and he just kneels down in front of Ian, and he starts washing Ian's feet. What are you thinking about? I don't know if you're like me, but here's what I'm thinking about, because you probably are more like me. What is Ian doing? How is he letting Jesus wash his feet? That makes no sense. Why, why would, one, why would Jesus be doing that, but two, how would Ian allow him to do that? Then, then he, Jesus moves over to Toya. And you're going, Toya, come on. And then he gets close to you, and you're prepared, right? You know what it is you're going to say. You're going to say, not me, Jesus. I should be washing your feet, not you washing mine. Just like Peter did, right? And so Jesus says, well, I have to wash your feet. And then Peter says, well, if you're going to wash my feet, then the whole body, right? Go, let's go all the way. Jesus says, washing your feet is sufficient. But there was a purpose to what Jesus was doing. There was a point, there was a plan behind what he was doing. What was the plan? What was that purpose? In John 13, verse 14, it says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, we're not going to bust out a bunch of basins here and start washing one another's feet because that's not the point. The point is, serve one another as I have served you. That's what he's saying. You know, last night we talked about bearing one another's burdens from the perspective of a person that needs their burdens to be borne. That we be vulnerable with one another. That we be open and transparent with one another so that we can allow people to serve us. But there's a flip side to that. Sometimes we have difficulty coming to people and allow them to serve us like Peter because we're afraid they're not going to serve like Jesus. So there's a flip side to this. We also need to be servants. And so from this perspective, we're going to look at what it means to be a servant this evening. In Galatians 5 and verse 13, says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So this evening, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about what it means to serve one another. We find in this passage, or in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Sometimes serving one another is when the opportunity presents itself. And those are the times that it's most convenient to serve one another. 
that it's not very challenging. It's, it's kind of right in front of us. And what he says to do when those opportunities do arise is to act on it. To have a spirit of servitude that when we see something that needs to happen, we do it. The other night we talked about Zacchaeus, a man that I identify with. I'm a short man. I get him. And he saw the parade going by. And he went up on top of the tree or climbed the tree so that he could see. And Jesus ministered to him. And we talked about how Jesus took time to do that. But notice it says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. You know, this wasn't all that much of a challenge for Jesus. The opportunity presented itself, didn't it? It was pretty convenient. Now, Jesus did have a mission, and he had somewhere to go. But in this case, it wasn't that difficult to just look up. Sometimes that's all it takes for us. Sometimes opportunities are all around us, and we need to just look up and see what's going on and then act on it. Jesus didn't just look up and saw him and say, oh, good luck with you. <laughs> that's not what he did. He said, make haste, come down, let's, let's go talk. Because he saw a man who was in need, and he was in need of salvation. And so he, he met with him. Romans 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. We need to be building the kind of relationships with one another that we see opportunities like this, that we notice someone who's weeping. And we rejoice with those who are celebrating. And we need to have those kind of relationships because it's really not hard once you get to that point. This kind of service is very convenient. It's not very hard. So what are the, some specific things that we can do to serve one another and make sure that we're doing that? <clears throat> when someone comes forward, occasionally that happens. We're all here already, and it may happen this evening. I don't know. Maybe someone will come to the front and they will ask for us to meet their needs. Maybe they'll ask for us to pray for them. Or they'll ask for some counsel. You know what they need in that moment? They need your support. Amen. And you know, it's not hard to do. It's very convenient. You're already here. You don't have to go anywhere. You might have to come to the front and hug that person. And let them know you love them. Let them know you care. But anybody who comes up to the front ought to feel that. And that's how you can serve that person, and it's very convenient to be able to do something like that. This is a post on Facebook. I don't know how many of you use Facebook or Instagram or anything like that, but Kela, Kayla James, for some of you who may not know that name, Dale Lewis, who used to be an elder here, it's his great-granddaughter. She had a problem with alcohol, and in this post, she's celebrating three years of sobriety. You know, it doesn't take, it's very convenient to show support for her and just heart the post. Just a little emoticon that says, I'm, I'm, I see this and I care about you and so I'm letting you know. That's really not that hard, is it? <laughs> but that's a service that we can do to someone like that who has struggled like that, but with the help of Jesus and the church, she's overcome it. And we ought to help celebrate with her. Rejoice with those who rejoice. <clears throat> we make it really convenient to contribute to the church. I'm not here to talk about giving and all that stuff, although that needs to be talked about, but my point is, is that that is a way to serve one another. That way, when someone has a need in the church, the church can meet that need. They can't do it without money in there. And 
Paul even talked about that's why we do this on every first day of the week so that there's no special collection when I come. So that it's always there. And we make it really convenient. There's a box right out there. You're going that way anyway. Just drop it in. It's really not that challenging. It's, it's pretty convenient. <clears throat> don't leave your trash in the pews. Well, I know you don't have pews, but rows. That's really hard to get used to. We have chairs at home too, but it's hard to get used to that idea. Clean up after yourself. Nobody wants to touch your snotty Kleenexes. Nobody. Pick them up. And you know what? You're already there. And as you walk out, you're going to find a trash can. Just drop it off. This is convenient. This is serving one another, making sure that nobody else has to do that for you. These are some things that are very simple, very easy to do. But serving one another is not always easy. It's not always convenient. We saw in Galatians 5 and verse 13, he says, Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. So sometimes we get wrapped up in our freedom and doing what we do and not being inconvenienced by things that are going on in other people's lives. And so instead of using that opportunity of freedom to serve myself, he turns that around and says, use that opportunity to serve one another when it's not convenient because it's more convenient to serve me. It's more convenient to serve my flesh. He says, don't do that, but through love, serve one another. You know, we have a story in Mark chapter 6. John the Baptist had been beheaded, and Jesus needed an opportunity to go away and pray. He just needed a moment alone with his father. And so he tried to get away for a little while, and his disciples ended up on a boat and on the boat, they get in a little trouble, so he has to walk on the water out to meet their needs. He gets in the boat, they go to the other side, and they're amazed by this, by the way. They're amazed by him walking on the water, as we should be. I think we look back at this and we think, well, that was amazing, yes, but we're so used to the story. Oh, it was amazing. But he gets in the boat with them, and they go to the other side, and as soon as he gets to the other side, and when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. He couldn't get alone. He couldn't steal away for just a moment to pray to his father, to mourn the death of his cousin and of his friend and of the one who paved the way for him. He couldn't get alone. But what did that mean? Did he just say, hey guys, I gotta be alone? No, it was inconvenient, but he met their needs. He served every one of them. And that's what we're called to do. That's the kind of service that he did when he washed their feet. He wasn't talking about just the convenient times. He was talking about the inconvenient times. We see in Matthew chapter 25, we have this parable that's given. And he talks about separating the sheep from the goats. He says, then the righteous will answer him after he explains why they were separated into the righteous. They will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did you, we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Now, all these things were inconvenient for them to do, but they weren't hard, were they? It's not hard to offer somebody a drink. 
It's not hard to go down to the prison when one of your brothers or sisters in Christ has been thrown in the prison. Why? Because they're serving Christ. Go visit with them. Somebody's sick, those types of things. Those things aren't hard. They're just inconvenient. They're not on our schedule. And so we don't end up doing those sometimes. But we are called to do the things that are inconvenient, like visiting the sick. And sometimes that's difficult to do. That person didn't plan on being sick any more than you planned on going to visit the sick. They didn't want to be there. It certainly inconvenienced them. Let's take a moment of our time and go sit with him. And you might say, I don't know what to say. Most of the time, I don't either. I don't really know what to say when I go visit somebody in the hospital. But sometimes it's just a matter of holding her hand and saying, can I pray for you? And that's enough. They know you're there. They know you care. And you're serving them in that way. It's not hard. It's just inconvenient. Bringing to the Sunday dinner or the snack and yak. Is that what y'all call it? Snack and yak. Is it hard? No. It's just inconvenient. Yes, you have to get prepared the day before. You have to, might have to go to the grocery store one more time, whatever. Those things are inconvenient, but it kind of goes into the convenient realm too. We're going to be here anyway, right? Do we, do we really come to those expecting only to eat and not contribute? It may be a little bit inconvenient, but it's something that everyone can do. <clears throat> you know, there are times <laughs> that... I'm doing something, and I get a phone call, or I get a text, and it's really inconvenient at that moment that I've gotten that phone call or that text in that moment, and so I don't answer. Get back to them. Answer the call. Answer the text. Even if that's that weirdo, you insert the name there, because you know them. You know the people that call you up and you're on the phone for hours and you go, I really don't have time. Figure out a way. Figure out a way to answer them. That's how we can serve one another. It's inconvenient, but it's not hard. Or are we just too busy? Sometimes we get too busy in things and we we have a plan. We have a schedule. And over here I'm going to do this thing. And somebody then says, hey, you know what? Why don't you come over to our house? Why don't you come over here and enjoy dinner with us? Well, I had dinner plans over here by myself. Drop it. Go. That's how you can serve someone else. It's not hard. It's just inconvenient. Volunteer. If there's a work day, if there's a whatever, if there's duties that need to be done for the church, sign up and do that. Now, I'm going to talk to the leadership here for just a moment. If you're in leadership, I'm talking to you. Because here's a challenge that I have. It's really hard for me when people sign up to do something when they don't do it the way that I would do it. (laughs) I want them to do it the way I would do it. So a lot of times, I don't allow them to volunteer. I just take over and do it myself. That's not helping the church. Allow them to serve. Let them do their duty. You know, the widow that came up to the treasury and dropped in two mites. Can you imagine what some of them are thinking? How useless is that? Two mites? Yeah, I'm sure Jesus is real impressed by those two mites. But he was, wasn't he? 
because she did what she could. She gave her all. The woman who poured out the ointment on Jesus, you know what they said? What a waste. It wasn't a waste. Jesus says, this is for my benefit. She's not wasting anything. So allow everyone to serve and let them do it in their way. Yo, it won't be your way. And that's okay. Let them do it. Because we need to be a people of service. Because that's who Jesus was. He was a person of service. And when he left it to the apostles, he said, do it this way. And they did it. Did that mean they did it every every way the same? No, they did it the way. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preached to who? The Jews. And so he recalled Old Testament scripture. He knew that the prophecies would work on the Jews. Paul in Acts 17, when he's there meeting with all those heathens and those pagans, did he talk about Old Testament scripture? No, that wouldn't work. He said, look, there's this inscription to this unknown God. And he did, he even quoted their poets. Man, he didn't use scripture, he used their poets to describe to them what needed to be done. You see what I'm saying? I I hope you see what I'm saying. Jesus says, go do this, and they went and did it the way they needed to do it. He let them go and do it. And that's what we need to do as well. We need to be a people of service. Hebrews 13 and verse 15 says, Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Our sharing with one another, our serving one another is a sacrifice, and it's meant to be. It is meant for us to do things that are inconvenient. It's meant for us to be sacrificing. We see in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, that Jesus is talking to them about the difference between the Gentiles who lord over them and the kind of master or teacher or ruler that we should be if we are a part of his kingdom. And he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the kind of sacrifice that Jesus calls us to. He gave his life as a sacrifice, as a ransom for many. And with our sharing, we are committing those sacrifices. And with those, God is well pleased. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? We ought to be willing to lay down our life for the brethren. Every brother, any sister, even the weirdos, even the ones we have a hard time getting along with, all of them, we ought to be willing to lay down our life because that's what Jesus did and that's what he expects. Now, that type of sacrifice for our brethren is a one-time act. You might think of something like going to Nigeria, going to India, and if I lose my life on the foreign field, then I lose my life for the cause of Christ. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And that may happen. But what Jesus is talking about is not the one-time event. He's talking about a spirit. He's talking about an attitude. He's talking about a disposition that no matter what it takes, I'm going to serve my brethren. Convenient or inconvenient, 
A sacrifice to me or not, I'm going to do it. Folks, if it's, not a, if it's not a sacrifice, if it doesn't hurt a little, it hurt Jesus a lot. And that's what he expects us to do. For one another, he expects us to hurt a little for the benefit of the other. That's what sacrifice is. And then it, that is what he expects us to do. First, First Peter 4 verse 10, excuse me, says, As each one has min- received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whatever you have been given, you be willing to share no matter the cost to you, but minister it to one another. And so I leave the lesson with you this evening. Learn from Jesus that we need to wash one another's feet, that it's dirty, it's nasty, that it's not fun all the time. That's not what it means to minister to one another, to serve one another. Sometimes it is ugly and dirty, and sometimes it's a terrible cost to our own selves. But if I see my brother in need of, of goods, and I withhold my goods from him because it's inconvenient or because then I wouldn't have it, that's not what God expects. We, seem to, we tend to give out of our abundance. Well, I have leftovers. I'll give you that. Jesus did not give us leftovers. He gave us his all. And he expects you to do the same for the brethren. He's ready to meet your needs. We are ready to serve you. If there's something going on in your life, now's the time to be vulnerable, as we talked about last night, to be transparent. And hopefully, we have learned from this that we will be the kind of people that would be willing to bear your burden, that we would be willing to sacrifice whatever we need to for your good that we would serve you in whatever way we can. If you have a need, please let us know by coming forward and sitting on the front while we stand and while we sing.